Welcome to Run This World. My name is Nicole DeBoon. I'm a former pro athlete turned entrepreneur. Each week, I'll bring you insights and inspiration from some of the world's greatest visionaries who will help you run your world in ways that you didn't even realize were possible. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's get this workout started. Hello, hello, hey everyone. (laughs) It's me, it's Nicole, I'm back. I haven't really gone anywhere, I've just kind of gone underground. Um, I've had quite a little break here from my last episode that was called Passing the Baton to Sarah Ratzliff of Zuma. You all have been following my crazy and insane life transition from a major career to the time in between. And that's where I am right now. The time in between. And I, I really honestly over the past year or so have had in the back of my mind this sort of little bit of pressure that's just been pushing on me going, what's next? What's next? What are you going to do next? It has to be epic. It has to be amazing. It has to be as good or better than anything you've ever done before. But as things have progressed, as the past year played out, as I let the freaking wave just sort of roll me along. (laughs) It kind of hand delivered me into shore. And that's where I'm standing right now. Just sort of standing on the beach. You know, I'm watching the sunrise. I'm watching the sunset. I'm feeling the sand. I'm listening to the waves. And I'm just living for a little while. I realized that the next big passion didn't sort of just transpire immediately on the heels of my 15-year skirt sports career. And I have talked to many, many people. And I swear to you (laughs) that most people are not sitting there saying, yeah, I need the next thing from you, Nicole. Like, my life will be better when you tell me what you're doing next. You know what they're saying? I want you to find true happiness. I want you to find the next thing that brings you joy. I know when you do, it will make the world better. But the best way for you to do that, and this is where the real wisdom of all of you has come in and I need to listen right now, is to step back and do nothing for a while. Just live. As many of you know, um, when I closed down Skirt Sports, I actually didn't close it. I sold the freaking business to the most amazing partner. Um, Sarah Ratzliff is the owner of the Zuma Women's Run Series, and I truly could not have found a better fit. She is, she is a stellar person, um, but I didn't just stumble into the next thing, as I mentioned before. Instead, I decided, okay, what else can we do right now to really seal the deal on this transition? And I looked around at my husband and my daughter and this life we have, and I looked at what some of the other needs were in my family. And one of the big needs that had been bubbling to the surface for a long time was the need for physical change, especially for Tim. Because, you know, he also rode an amazing wave in the sport of triathlon, but that was many, many years ago. And he has felt stuck and he has needed some life change. And so I was like, you know what? 
it's his turn again. It was his turn, then it was my turn, and now it's his turn. We're going to make this move. So in case you didn't know, we moved from Boulder where I had lived for over 25 years and Tim even longer, and we resettled ourselves in Steamboat Springs, Colorado. So I am sitting in the awesome basement of our awesome home full of boxes and bins and random stuff looking around and just kind of pinching myself thinking we did it we're here now what (laughs) well guess what there is no now what for a while I am just gonna live Um, I recorded this episode before I left Boulder which has been sitting in the queue for a while now I do intend to continue this amazing podcast. There's no reason I wouldn't. I just might be a little more sporadic for a while until I get in a groove again. So I appreciate all of you. I appreciate your patience and I appreciate your support. Some of you are supporting me on Patreon, which is absolutely awesome and amazing because I have no idea how I'm going to make money in the future. Oh my gosh. Okay, I'm going to think about that later after I just live for a while. Um, And I know the podcast is important because otherwise you all wouldn't be tuning in. So I plan to keep it going and uh, I'll get a little more of a grip on my strategy as I go. But in the meantime, I say thank you for your patience and thank you for your love. Um, a really quick thing about this, the skirt sports transition I just made is that they, it's an interesting, I guess it's an interesting time. Everyone is learning new things right now. I'm learning how to end, how to let go, how to step away, how to be there in the ways that are helpful um, and how to be there in ways that fulfill me. And so I'm taking quite a break here. I'm not very involved at the moment, and I may become more involved in the future. What Sarah is learning is how to incorporate a whole new entity that's basically like its own universe. (laughs) I mean, Skirt Sports is a big community of amazing, strong women who want things from the business. They want product. Well, product is coming again soon. Pre-orders are going to go up for the very first run that will be produced under new ownership. Um, They want motivation and they want support. That's what we gave them. And the cool thing about Zuma is that they've already been providing the motivation and the support. The clothing is just the new thing. So that's coming soon. But what's already in place is the motivation and support. So Zuma puts on women's running events all over the country and the world. And um, with COVID, those in-person events have changed dramatically and have all become virtual for the time being. But what Zuma also does is put on these really cool challenges. And that is where you are going to find that motivation and support through these winter months. So Um, We are getting a cool offer from them right now. If you use the code RUNTHISWORLD, you're going to get 10% off of their holiday challenges. Um, They have both the holiday challenge and the love run challenge, which are going to take you from November 
through February of 2021 and provide you that motivation that you need. Um, and if you do both, it's 98 bucks. So you get the 10% off and you get really cool swag with it, which is amazing. You go to zoomarun.com. Um, what I love about these is I know for me personally, that when I feel like I am just flailing around having a having a goal, having someone who I'm accountable to, that helps me power through these crazy months. We are entering uncharted territory. We are entering the first holiday season ever with this COVID pandemic that has not really gone anywhere. So we are going to need to find ways to motivate ourselves through what I like to call the eating season. (laughs) So I'm very excited about that. I plan to do both of the challenges myself and they are both, they are movement based. So the goal is to keep yourself moving through these fun and interesting months (laughs) where the weather changes and everything says hibernate, eat a lot of food and hibernate. All right. So enough of that, but use the code RUNTHISWORLD when you go on to zoomarun.com. Check out their challenges and uh, sign up for both. That's what I'm doing. See you out there. Um, But let's get back to today and the episode that's at hand. Uh, Care2 Vesky is today's guest. Her name um, is really cool because it's spelled a certain way, K-E-R-T-T-U, but she used that unique Estonian spelling to create a brand, which is how I actually met her. She is the owner of Care2 Pilates in Boulder, Colorado, and that's spelled C-A-R-E space T-O, Pilates. Actually, if you're in Boulder, check out their website, um, you'll hear more about it in the in the conversation today, but she's doing magical things for people, and I'm one of them. Um, I'm very lucky. So I find that myself saying this all the time, pinch me, I'm lucky. I'm very lucky. I feel lucky in my life. Even when things were really tough with skirt sports, when we realized we needed to close our retail store in Boulder, but we had a lot, a long time left on our lease, we needed to find a subtenant. And uh, last year, we, this woman walked into our store and I could see it in her eyes. She had that look of intensity, determination, and, and excitement that really, really only showcases that she had a serious vision for something she wanted to create. And I remember having that look myself many years ago when I started Skirt Sports. Um, and she said, I'm, I'm going to start my own Pilates studio. I've been doing, I've been practicing this discipline for many, many years. I've been teaching for many, many years. Now is the time. Um, so we entered into an agreement. She took over the store. We moved out. She transferred formed it. It is absolutely gorgeous. You need to uh, check it out online or get in there in person to see. You would never know that it was full of thousands of units of of uh, skirt sports clothing. Now it is filled with reformers and tools to help make your body strong from the inside out, from the core. 
Um, she is truly a miracle worker for people. I started taking her classes partly to support her and partly to check out what the heck Pilates is. You know, I've got a major issue with my back. I've got spondylolisthesis and it is a pain in the butt and it, it doesn't get better. It only gets worse over time. And so I need to do everything I can to keep my body strong, to work that transverse abdominus. <laughs> That's what uh, Care2 told me. It's all about the TA for you, Nicole. Um, and Pilates really does it. It really helps. These are the most minute, tiny little movements where you really get to know your body. And yeah, it feels like, oh, sure, I can go in and do that and take care of that myself. No, having the right guide to take you through this practice is critical. And having the right guide usually means, in this case at least, that that person went through her own physical and emotional struggles to reach the point where she also needed needed the saving grace of Pilates in her life. And it gives her so much more, I think, range to help other people. Because at the end of the day, when you do something like this, when you practice a sport or a discipline that can help other people, you yourself are a healer. People come in looking for your healing. One of the women in one of my last classes I took, um, you know, Care2 always says, any special requests today? And one of the women goes, just the usual Care2 magic, please. <laughs> and I love that. And that's how I feel about her. So without further ado, we will bring Care2 on the show. I hope you enjoy this conversation. You know I like to dig in and learn more about what makes people tick um, before I bring you all the way full circle to where they are now. So hang in there till the end of the episode so you can find out what classes to take, where to go, and how to get connected to this amazing human being. Care to? We're finally doing this. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> Hello. Thank you for letting me into your beautiful studio, which does not look anything like the skirt sports store, and I'm really liking it. You made this thing nice, clean, and sleek. Thank you. Thanks. My gosh. So we came together in a really interesting way. Um, you know, I operated and ran skirt sports for 15 plus years. And the last three years, we had a store at 2795 Pearl Street, Suite 102. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And you should know that because it is now your <laughs> mailing address. So we, um, we needed to kind of close down operations and find a subtenant. And we were so lucky to have you stumble upon us. So I'm just really grateful right now that... We, number one, connected. Number two, I'm actually truly really grateful that we found a subtenant. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> and number three, like, I just love filling a beautiful space with positive energy with another operation or another entity or another human that also has that beautiful positive energy. That's how I think of you. Thank you. Isn't that yeah. a great little fun intro? Yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, I definitely feel so lucky to have found this space for sure. I think it exceeded my expectations or my ideas of what I wanted to find. Well, and sure. we're going to be like focusing a lot 
in this episode on what it is you do, which is you are a, I'm going to say a healer and a person who brings happiness to other people who might be struggling in their bodies with all kinds of different issues. And you do that through the power of Pilates. How cool is that? That's very well put. I mean, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. So, um, so let's, your story's incredible. When I first met you, I was like, oh, she's interesting. Like, she's got this really cool aura, but she's also got this accent. So <laughs> she's not from here. So where is she from? And over time, I have been lucky enough to learn little bits and pieces about your story and what brought you here. So I really believe that we need to share this with the world. You ready to do it? I am. All right, let's get it. Let's get it going. So let's talk about that accent. That, is, that means you were not born here in the United States. So let's go all the way back. Let's talk about where you're from. So I'm from Estonia, which is a small country in East Europe. Um, I grew up in a tiny little town and then at some point moved to the capital city for education. Um, yeah, that's where my family's from. So when you, you said you, you grew up in this little town mm-hmm. in Estonia, like were you on a farm or were you just in like a rural community? I would say it's more like a rural community. Yeah, not a farm, not a farm. (laughs) So talk more about like how it was growing up there. Were you alone? Was it your parents and you? Uh, So I have two sisters and a brother, but I have a a baby sister. She's 13. So when I grew up, she wasn't there yet. (laughs) (laughs) So I grew up with my older sister and brother. Um, Yes, and then my mom and dad. And what kind of like childhood was it? Were they like super strict parents or, you know, were you, I don't know, were you, were you able to roam and play or how did you, let's talk a little bit about what you remember from those early years. Yeah. I mean, I feel like my family has kind of a strict structure, but there is freedom to play and grow. And my parents definitely encourage you to grow and they give you the opportunities to grow um which i've always been really thankful for um i think i was kind of the oddball in my family because everybody else was very everybody was doing math well everybody was like good at science and like business and i was like i don't like business i don't like math i don't like numbers so i was more of like the artsy person um and of course you know a very common idea is like well find another job art is not a job right um yeah and then um my aunt she was a circus artist she was a contortionist. So when I was a very young girl, I would say around my, when I was four, she started training me um, as a contortionist. And we would like perform together. We would be on like cruise ships um, in Estonia and going to different Scandinavian countries. Um, and then I don't remember what year that was, but then she opened her own circus. Okay, wait, pause. <laughs> four years old Mm -hmm. so what did she see in you like you also had siblings why you like what was it about you that she zeroed in on you and was like oh she 
care to is the one she's gonna join me in this crazy career track (laughs) I don't think it was anything like oh she's gonna be a contortionist I think it was more of a connection between me and my aunt um we spent a lot of summers together and it was just she was very playful with me Mm. and I feel like my brother and sister are five and seven years older than me so they always kind of stuck together and then a lot of times I felt like I was kind of alone. So I think that kind of pushed me towards my aunt. Um, And it never felt like work. It was just fun, you know? Because she was that crazy aunt who was in the circus. Yeah. Bending her body. Yeah, she was so (laughs) fun. She was so cool. So I wanted to be just like her. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. What's her name? Uh, Her name is Teria. Okay. Yes. And um, <laughs> what is be what does it mean to be a contortionist? Um, I mean, it's a lot of training, right? It's a lot of flexibility training, a lot of strength training, um, a lot of upkeep. Um, yeah, a lot of just sitting in stretches, pushing yourself further. So, like, what do you actually do? Are you just? Is it like a almost like a form of gymnastics, or is yeah. this literally like? you're bending your body into the tiniest little box. Like there's a guy on Pearl Street in Boulder that does that. Yes. You know, like what, what, if you're a contortionist and somebody comes to a performance, what do they see? Yeah, I mean, the bendy part is the, definitely. The wow factor. The va- wow factor, exactly. Um, yeah, my aunt, she did a lot of like bendy things on her hands like handstands and then working from there I was not that good on handstands (laughs) so yeah I was just like doing more of just like bending backwards sideways pulling the legs so everywhere (laughs) at like four years old you're already doing these circus acts with her or did it take a few years yeah I don't think I uh, I don't remember us starting to perform that early but I definitely remember training early but it wasn't I wouldn't say it's like an official training right a lot of times we were just like at her apartment and we were just like playing around so for me it was it was playtime it was play Um, yeah so time just like flew by it was it was it was fun it was fun for sure you know I think that's really interesting because as a kid that's the key to finding love of anything is that Mm -hmm. it's fun right and we lose that when we're adults we often lose that we we go after jobs not because it's fun and it doesn't necessarily fulfill us in Mm -hmm. that way we work jobs that are sometimes freaking painful you know (laughs) emotionally and physically so I think that's really important that you had Like that philosophy was just sort of probably in your subconscious as a very young child that work and play could be kind of the same thing. Yeah, and I feel like I am one of the lucky ones who I have always had a job that I absolutely love. I I was a you know a contortionist kind of half half time. You know, I was still like a normal student too. Um, and then I was an actress and then I was a plot instructor. So whatever job I've had, I've always felt like it was the right job for me. Wow. That, uh, so what's the key to that for people listening? Like 
How do they, how do they achieve that? Was it luck? Were you I mean, following your heart? Like, how did it go? I, I mean, I think it was both of those things. I think it was definitely luck. I think it was definitely, you know, just, I have always known what I love doing. Um, and we'll, I guess we'll get, get to the changes from one career to another. Um, but yeah, luck, luck, I think is definitely, I feel very fortunate to have had always jobs that I love doing. Wow. Okay. So when your aunt started her own like circus, it was a circus. Mm-hmm. Yep. So then you actually started performing mm-hmm. in, in her program, right? Yeah. And were you like in middle school? How old were you when this was happening? So I performed all the way up to 14 years old. Okay, so here's a question then that Mm -hmm. some people may find sensitive, but do you think that pushing your body in the ways that you pushed when you were young, when your, you know, body was still forming, Mm -hmm. you weren't in maturity yet, you know, do you think that that had possible ill effects for, you know, later on in life? Yeah, you do. And that's tough because you were just loving it. I mean, it's not like, and, and everyone around you was just helping pursue what was working, mm-hmm. right? So it's not like anybody was trying to create an environment that might hurt you later. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know it yourself too, you know, being a professional athlete, you push your body into those crazy goals that... I guess our bodies are not necessarily supposed to be there or function there. It's okay to be there temporarily, but to permanently push yourself into those extremes, I think it's not supportive for us. No, it's not. And, you know, my husband, who also raced as a pro triathlete, he um, he would often say, like, you only have so many of those, like, finish lines that you can push beyond what you're really Mm -hmm. humanly capable of. And after a certain point, your body does start to give out. Yeah. It's just usually it happens a little later in life, right? Mm -hmm. So here you are 14. And why did you stop performing at that age? Honestly, it was peer pressure. I was at school and high school and people knew I was performing in a circus and they right away, they didn't even ask what I did in the circus. They were like, oh, you're a clown. And it was just like, oh, no, 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 no. Don't you call me a clown. <laughs> totally. Yes. And I was, I was just like, you know what? Never mind. I don't want to do this anymore. Um, wow. So it was definitely, it was peer pressure that I was like, mm, that's it. <laughs> it's time. You know, yeah. that's tough too, because that is such a hard age mm-hmm. for girls and boys, but really... I mean, you and I only know the girl factor on that. 14 years old, Mm -hmm. you do not want to be doing something that might potentially embarrass you. Exactly. And that's probably how it felt, huh? Mm -hmm. Gosh. Um, And I mean, didn't anybody come and watch you? You know how, like, I would think there'd be so much mad respect for you that you even had a job at that age. Nobody else was probably working at 14 years old. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I don't. I don't think any of my schoolmates really came to ever see what I did. Uh, but I, I mean, that's kind of life, right? We like to judge without knowing 
the details. Oh, that's a so. good one. Yeah, why do we do that? I guess it's easy. Yeah. Rather than actually asking questions, actually listening to somebody. Yeah. yeah. And the weird thing is that they, you know, the judgment in this case was not like favorable, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's painful. So, so you stopped at 14. Did you do other sports at that time? I mean, you're obviously incredibly athletic, so Mm -hmm. you probably had like a full on, you know, a muscle set that your peers did not have, you know? Yeah. I mean, other than being a contortionist, like I did a lot of other things in the circus too. I did the trapeze, I did the hula hoops, um, different acrobatic things. So, you know, it wasn't just like, oh, you're only doing one thing. So that's what I loved about my aunt's circus was that you were able to try so many things. Um, and that's what made it fun because yeah. it was always something different. Can we get some photos or video of that time? Honestly, I've asked my aunt about that. And you know, it was the 1990s, so um, it's a little she, harder to yeah, come by. Yeah, I think it's a little bit hard to find that. Yeah. Oh man! All right. <laughs> well, we're all going to be digging. Um, okay. So, so you had mentioned earlier in this conversation that you then moved away to pursue education. Is that right? Or for your education? So I moved to the capital city for a better education. Got it. uh, In Estonia. Yeah. And yeah, I was still doing circus, I think, a little bit around that time. I forgot exactly what, how old I was when I moved. Um, Yeah. So I moved to the capital city and then I somehow found this theater school audition. And I was just like, yep, I'm going uh, and I got accepted. So did you move alone to the big city? Um, it was kind of like a fun transition period where my brother and sister were already living in the capital city. Uh, they already were going to the better schools. And then I went there. My brother moved to America for even better education. <laughs> so it was me and my sister for a little bit with my parents you know, still visiting and stuff, but, um, and then I would say a year, a few years later, everybody kind of moved together again. Got it. Okay. So when you went to, uh, pursue your education, was this basically like college level? No, just high school. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Just high school. Yeah. I mean, was there anything else that happened in that period of time, you know, when you were like 14 and kind of decided to stop doing this thing you loved and then moving is there anything else that you think is important that helped shape your sort of adult life uh you mean that transition from the circus from to acting Yeah. yeah um honestly that transition was really quick um yeah, I don't remember how long it took, but I don't think it took more than a few months. Wow. Uh, and then I was in that theater group and I just, again, absolutely loved what I did. I was I was at the theater until like 9 p.m., got home, did ho- homework, went to school at 7 a.m., went back to the theater the next day at 5 p.m. It was, it was, it was a lot. Um, 
and I also went to like music school at the same time. So I was definitely like creatively constantly charged, um, which was really fun for me. And I remember at some point my parents, because my grades at school started to go down because I spent just so much time with music and theater. My parents were like, well, you gotta, you gotta pick, you can't do all of it. Um, and I mean, how do you pick between all sorts of fun things? <laughs> well, of course. And it was like that, well, I have to do school, I guess. So mm -hmm. I can't just not pick school because yeah. you probably would have been like, screw school. I'm yeah, going to yeah, focus yeah. on the fun stuff. Um, that's just amazing. You know, I do think it takes a lot of courage to when you move to a new place to open yourself up to a new kind of uh, opportunity like or challenge like acting. You know, I mean, yeah. most kids might not move and just be like, oh, I'm doing that. You know, they're ch worried about integrating into a school and making friends and all that. So, I mean, it definitely to me shows that you had maybe some maturity beyond your years and um, you were able to sort of step out, I think, a little more than other kids your age might have been. Yeah, I don't know. I think maybe one thing was that I definitely didn't feel like I belonged when I went to the new school. So there was definitely that transition period where I I had friends, but I there was definitely years that I I was bullied and I I needed some sort of a community around me, some sort of a support system around me. And I think that theater it was such a it's it was like my second family so that helped me settle into the new city again and find new friends and connect yeah you you were looking for a tribe mm -hmm. exactly can we talk about you know the 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 concept of bullying and how how that what form it took for you i think it's important for people listening who have kids who you know, are trying to keep our eyes on making making sure that our kids feel safe. And if they're going through this, like, what are the signs and how can how can we help them to, I don't know, gain the strength to withstand it? I mean, I feel like the type of bullying I was maybe experiencing was like the lowest level bullying. So I definitely don't feel like I'm the right person to speak on that I feel like there's so many other kids that go through way tougher times mm -hmm. I think for me it was more like oh you're from this tiny little town do you come to work with a horse and not in a car and I was like oh that sounds really fun though <laughs> right. I didn't tell that to anybody but you know they were like and I also I wore a different type of clothes and I was made fun of that and it's not like they were I don't know like yeah, they weren't physically like there was nothing up, wrong with my clothes. They no. were great clothes. Yeah. All right, that was a fun little interruption. Fire marshals here in your beautiful <laughs> studio. So um, we were kind of talking about that awkward transition and trying to fit in. Mm -hmm. And I think fitting in and finding your tribe are really important uh, concepts that follow us through our whole lives. So it's yes. really cool that you went through that experience. It's really hard to watch your kids go through that experience, but it's a really important one because you found your tribe. Yes, yeah. for sure. You did. Yeah. So, you know, what, 
What I know next about you is that something happened at some point that affected you physically. I'm just not sure what happened on the, on the lead up to that event. So maybe we, you can mm-hmm. kind of lead us up to what happened that really split your life open and changed the trajectory for you. For sure. Um, so around when I was 14, I joined that theater group and I started acting and it was amazing. And um, every summer I would try to find like a workshop outside Estonia to expand my knowledge and, you know, just learn more. Um, And one year I found a workshop in New York um, in a New York conservatory. Um, And I went there for a month in the summer. And at the end of the summer, they said, well, why don't you audition for the full program? And I had no interest in moving to America. I remember my mom still tells me that. She said, I was the only kid who, after my brother and sister went to America for education, she was like, you told me that you are never going to leave Estonia. And now I'm the kid who has been away the longest. Um, So I had no interest in moving to America. And then I did the audition. I got accepted. So within a one month period, I packed a bag and I, I moved to America. Uh, I started a school. Well, wait, and you were mm-hmm. pretty young still. Yeah, I was, I think I was 20. Okay. Yeah, I was 20. Um, so I did the school again, so much fun. And where was that? New York? Yeah, New okay. York. Um, and so the last year of school is when I, I got paralyzed. I got temporarily paralyzed on the left side of my body. Um, and for the longest, nobody could figure out what the problem was. I was literally working out one day and I collapsed on the floor. Um, and, and yeah, for some reason, nobody, it wasn't like, oh, I got hit by a car or something. It was just one day in the middle of the day this happened. So nobody could really figure out what it was. Um, and you were 22? No, I think I was like 21. Yeah, maybe one, 21, 22. Okay. I'm really bad with years like that. That's okay. <laughs> so you're still mm-hmm. like really young. You're not done with school yet. Y- yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden you're on the floor and you can only half function. yeah. So, I mean, what happened? Were you like, help, I can't move? Like, were you, you know, sent to the ER? Like, how did this go down? I was living with two roommates and they definitely helped me through that a lot. I, um, I went to a lot of doctors, uh, and I got misdiagnosed so many times. And I also got mistreated so many times because I got misdiagnosed. Um, and a lot of the treatments that I was, given were more harmful and made the situation worse so what were the misdiagnosis oh what like was it? was it like multiple sclerosis or you know like uh i feel like it was like or? they did like they just put a lot of things together um they were like oh arthritis osteoporosis um nerve damage this and that it was just like wait but because if you just gave me one diagnosis, it wouldn't have made sense. Right. Um, and then finally, 
they were they were trying to really dig back into my um, history of hellfish history, and then what it came down to, um, as of what I know right now, is that what happens a lot of times with contortionists is um, once they stop training, they're left with this hypermobile body, and they don't keep up the same same intensity of strength training. So yes. even though I did work out every day, I was still active, it was still not equivalent to the flexibility I was left with. And then my body literally just collapsed on me because there was not enough support around my bone structure um, to, to give that support for my nervous system. And then my nervous system just got shut uh, and crushed from my vertebrae. Wow. Yeah. So which vertebrae did they, you know, focus it was, in? Yeah, it was. So a lot of my circus tricks were based on my lower back flexibility. So my aunt used to make fun of me, not fun of me, but she would make a joke saying that I can bend more backwards and forwards. Because, um, yeah, so that's where, where I was the most mobile was when uh, where I got injured. So all that lower back area. So you know, you're like my number one key expert with my issues going on. I've been so grateful for you. So like how long did it take for you to finally gain a better understanding of what had happened? I it definitely took a few years. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Like the first year was definitely really, really tough um, because you're not... I. I couldn't move. I couldn't do the things I wanted to do. Uh, and I was so much in pain. And that pain is not just physical pain. It becomes mental pain also, emotional pain. Um, so I understand pain in so many levels. That's why now I love my job. Because mm -hmm. when people come in, they're like, I've been living with this pain forever. And it's so exciting for me to like figure out what's causing it and trying to help those people because I know what it feels. How did you cope with the pain? Um, I mean, honestly, like the first year was really tough because I was really, I got really angry because I had just, I moved to America to become an actress, right? It sounds so amazing. I felt like I had the responsibility in front of my friends, my family, my fans in Estonia. Um, to succeed and then come back as an actress, you know? Mm -hmm. Kind of um, a hero. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I definitely, I felt a lot of pressure and I was like, what is happening? Like I didn't come to America to like lay down in bed um, and, and not do what I came here to do. Um, but yeah, so I finished, I finished school and I was still struggling with my body a lot and going through PTs and acupuncture and chiropractors and everything. I don't remember who it was, but somebody was like, well, have you tried Pilates? And I was like, oh, like another recommendation. You know, sometimes like people just love recommending so many things and then you got kind of get overwhelmed by all the suggestions. And I was like, but I had tried so many things and nothing had worked. And I went to Pilates and it just like miraculously changed my life. I was just like, this is my new journey. Um, wow, from the very first visit. Yeah, 
it was to be honest yes the first first few weeks were tough because i also wasn't as smart about how to move and like understanding what the proper alignment is um but yeah but i was so eager to learn so were you literally like walking with a cane or a crutch or in a chair at this point and you were thinking this is the rest of my life because i can't i'm not finding a solution I was I was looking at wheelchairs. I remember I was like researching uh, wheelchairs because I was just like I could just lay in bed because I could I could stand up, but I just it was just so painful to just move one foot in front of the other. I mean, how did you even function in your daily life? <laughs> pain is was, pain is. I mean, I know I've asked about what you did to cope and your coping mechanisms and all that, but like. At the end of the day, pain is just brutal. You can't think about anything else. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, it was just kind of, I don't want to use the word forcing myself, but I was just kind of pushing myself to still move because I do believe movement heals. Like if you're in pain, if all you can do is just stand up once in a day, like stand up and then lay down again. If you can go for a five minute walk, just go for a walk. Um, if we keep our bodies in this passive position, nothing, you're not going to heal suddenly by just laying on your bed. Um, so I think it was just, you know, trying to get through that and it would just, it would come back every once in a while. I would like get those, like the temporary paralysis again on my left side. And I'm still struggling with like my left side, the muscles, uh, firing as well as my right side i mean it's not like you can see me being uneven right <laughs> but <Totally. laughs> i'm not drooling on my left side <laughs> well i know it's true but you 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 aren't and you don't ever want to be yeah and yeah. and so you found magic i found what worked for me for sure and when i found pilates i first i went into it with an idea of, okay, I want to learn more for myself. And then I did a teacher training program and I just learned so much more that I was like, I need to share this. I need to help others to feel better in their bodies and heal and get over their injuries. And yeah. So, okay. So now you're in your early to mid twenties and here you are in New York finding something that made you, I don't know, physically healed you, but it sounds like maybe it had an emotional effect as well. Yeah. You know, honestly, like through that, I almost, I did resist being a Pilates instructor for a little bit. Because like I said, I came to America to be an actress. And then one of my friends, I don't know how they said it to me, but they were like, because I was definitely worried about the responsibility in front of my, my family, my friends and fans in Estonia. Um, but then I learned to, my, so my friend said, well, if you're, you're happy doing Pilates, why do you resist pursuing that? Um, and then I just felt like when I let go of what I thought other people expected of me, 
it just freed so much energy in me and helped me grow so much more. Um, so, yeah, that's how... I, I, I remember that day when I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go for it. Because there's no reason to try something kind of half-assed. Uh, if you go for it, you go for it. Um, and, yeah, I absolutely fell in love with what I what I do now. Why do we resist the things that call to us sometimes? I feel like don't we all have like a path for ourselves that we put in our head that we're like, okay, this is where I'm going. And then when life goes a little bit aside, you're like, "Uh oh, no, that's a challenge. I need to overcome that. I need to work against that rather than just working with it, working with life and just just allowing yourself to to stay in movement but I mean it's sometimes it's hard to like recognize that what is that something that brings us forward and what is that something that challenges us that's a very good point and I think you're right and we all know people who just sort of flow with the waves of life Mm -hmm. and sometimes I look at them and I'm like but they're not driven they're not aiming for something but they're also really enjoying the flows of life and Mm -hmm. maybe they're not having like a success level that has been ingrained in us right but there's also beauty in flowing with the waves of life right Mm -hmm. god it's such a good way to put it i think you're right though we don't necessarily recognize when it's actually a challenge we're supposed to get through versus something that you know is our is our innate or natural next step right mm-hmm. wow cool so okay so then you got into pilates and once you let go okay this is another huge one when you let go of the expectations that you thought other mm-hmm. people had of you yes. maybe they didn't even have them yeah exactly. but you thought they did mm-hmm. right did you just open up to this new opportunity Yes. I mean, I did. Yeah. I was studying a lot. I was working in a lot of different studios just to kind of like build my own style and like understand what it is exactly that I, what is my niche, right? And what is it that I want to give to people? And yeah, I mean, I had amazing jobs in New York and I definitely grew so much and I'm so thankful for that period of my life. So you're not in New York now. What brought you to Boulder, Colorado? It's actually, I haven't told that story to too many people, but I had some other health issues um, towards the end of of my New York life. Um, And at some point, so where the journey brought me was I was doing my health checkups and so, okay, I'll tell you. Just <laughs> lay it out there, sister. <laughs> so I don't remember necessarily how many years ago now, maybe four years ago, um, I had cancer. And, but thankfully, it was discovered really early. Um, I was, it was a very easy treatment, and it was great, right? I got through that. Awesome. Um, and then a year later, I went for a checkup, and the doctor said, okay, this seems like it's way more of an aggressive cancer. It seems like it's grown so fast. 
we can determine the stage or and therefore the treatment right now so they have to do more testing and they said the testing takes about two weeks um and i will never forget those words they said if i were you i would take those next two weeks like they're your last two weeks of your life oh my god so i was left with those words uh from the doctor's office and I was, it was, it was a very tough time because um, I didn't have my family around me. Um, I had some schoolmates around me, but I, I also didn't share that with too many people. Um, so I, I tried, I tried living those two weeks like they were my last two weeks. But honestly, there was just so much anxiety and fear and what if it was my last two weeks? Like my family was not there for me or they're with me. They were there for me over Skype and everything, but, um, and I had a lot of panic attacks. I had so much anxiety. And anyway, two weeks went by and a doctor called me in and they said, ah, sorry, we read the results wrong. So, you're good. Wait, what? Like exactly, exactly. <laughs> Wait, from you're dying, this is it. Mm-hmm. Like we're not sure where you know if you have any time left, really. To you're healthy. Yeah. So they pretty much read the scars of the old um, cancer as a more aggressive cancer. Wow. Can I ask what kind of cancer you had? Uh, it was. Um, I'll keep it to myself. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. Um, is there anything you can, for people who, like, I don't know how you found it, but is there any kind of advice for people to help them to get early detection like you did? You know what I mean? So anyone listening who's like, ah, something doesn't feel right. I mean, honestly, I, I didn't feel anything. So I don't know what to say, Yeah, you know, just doing your regular checkups, I guess, but you know, yeah, cancer is a sucker. Like it's, uh, it's so sneaky. So, um, okay. And it, you know, yeah. So, so you, (laughs) so what did that whole experience of feeling like this really could be your last two weeks? What did that whole experience, you know, show you? I mean, yes, those two weeks were literally the worst two weeks of my life. I like still remember like every day of those two weeks and um, and they have definitely those two weeks have guided me in my life um, a lot because I kind of I did learn that or got I was reminded that there is more to life than uh, a career, which I still love my job. I still want to grow and I still want to have a career. But I I didn't necessarily like the environment of New York. It felt really stressful. It was very noisy. It was smelly. It was like everything but a healthy environment for a body and your mind. Um, and after that doctor's visit, I was just like, I am done. Like I can do Pilates elsewhere too. Um, even though I had my dream job, I absolutely loved my job in New York, 
Um, and I was really sad to leave, but I just knew it was the right decision to find a different living environment. Because I, I truly believe that stress and the environment that we put ourselves into has a huge impact on our health. And, and I feel like that added to my health problems for sure. Oh, I, I totally agree. And, you know, Boulder was ranked the number one happiest city like in the world or at least in the country. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Oh. So it's there well you go. <laughs> <laughs> you naturally picked the place that, you know, for your interests of body movement, you know, breathing, all the things mm-hmm. that are important in this sort of practice in this new chapter of your life, you picked a really great place without knowing it was a really great place. Yeah. I honestly, like I was, I I also kind of picked it randomly. I just asked people around. I was like, have you ever, or where would you want to live? Or why would you want to live there? And Boulder came up a lot. And I was like, you know what? If I hate it, I can leave in a year. So I was like, I'm going to try this. And I remember the first time, first day I got here, I could feel myself being able to breathe better. And like, I didn't have the stress level I had in New York, uh, just from the environment. And isn't it crazy how just physically uprooting yourself can make that change? Because, uh, you know, I'm moving Mm -hmm. next week, actually. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad we're getting this done (laughs) before I go. And, um, you know, my husband's wanted to move for a really long time. And I often have thought, in my own mind, I've been like, why can't he just be happy here? Like, can't you just be happy wherever you are? Can't you just find that thing? But I do think that there is something to change and changing your environment that can maybe trigger some different hormones in your body mm-hmm. that, or get rid of the cortisol effect or whatever it is. So I think that's legit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, definitely that move was like there is there is more to life like what what are you waiting for why why not today why why tomorrow why next year you know there's always more excuses than actions oh totally agree wow i love that why not today yeah well let's talk about where we're sitting and standing today (laughs) (laughs) really like literally Let's talk about what brought you to opening your own Pilates studio literally the week before COVID shut down all studios. <laughs> your timing on that one was hard, man. Mm-hmm. Talk about control, right? <laughs> we don't control everything. Yeah. So what brought you to, you know, to really not only having Pilates be a passion, but making it your complete lifestyle and your career? I mean, I knew like being an instructor was what I wanted to do, but I did not ever want to own my own Pilates studio. For the longest time, I was like, no, 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 no. I love working for other people. I love this community, you know. (laughs) Um, But I was working in Boulder and I found myself being surrounded with such supportive community that encouraged me to open a Pilates studio. And for again, for the longest, I was like, mm, no, it's fine. You know, I'll, I'll work for somebody else. But then I did notice how I almost like grew more frustrated um, because I felt like 
I didn't have a landing place. I didn't have a team or environment that I wanted to surround myself with um, or associate myself with. And and yeah, all, my community was all my clients. I moved here knowing nobody. Um, so all my clients were the people who were like, okay, let me help you find spots, places. Let me help you, yeah, let me help you talk to the landlords. Let me help you do this and that. And the more they asked me questions, the more the vision in my head got clearer. And then I was like, and now I am doing this. I will do this. And then honestly, finding your space was very accidental. Somebody, I was looking at another spot and they were like, oh, you know, I heard there's this spot. I don't know. There was some yoga people looked at this spot. They didn't like it too much, but, you know, go and see. It's not listed yet or something. And they weren't even covering this space. And I was like, yeah, you know what? Sure. And I walked in and it just, I was like, whoa, the things you can do here and the energy, it was and then I just kept hustling. I just started to go forward with that dream, that new dream I didn't know I had. You know, funny, you're like an accidental entrepreneur. And I Definitely. wonder <laughs> I wonder when you come out of this experience if um, if you will want to be an entrepreneur in the future. Um, I love what this kind of lifestyle brings us, right? Mm -hmm. You work for other people, it's great because you don't have the risk, mm -hmm. but you also don't really control your destiny. You know, you might think you might, but they can change their business and you're out. Mm -hmm. Sorry, right? Yeah. So it definitely takes a big risk tolerance to branch off on your own. Mm -hmm. But you know what I heard from you was that not only did you have women who supported you and had your back, you had women who were literally like guiding you by the hand. They were like, you must do this. We see this for you. Mm -hmm. Not only must you do this, but it will help me too. So please do this. You know? <laughs> <laughs> there was definitely that too. People were like, I miss your classes. <laughs> you know, and I think just the having people who really truly believe in you can make all the difference in the world. Absolutely. If you didn't yeah. have those people, I don't think you'd be sitting here. Oh, no. No way. No. Yeah. And look at all the things that had to happen. You had to accidentally stumble into our space, which was filled with clothing and like craziness, you know? I mean, and your vision, you just had a vision straight through it all. You were like, boom, I can see this. I can see it clean and clear and minimalist and modern. Like, it's beautiful. Thank you. So, so here you go. We, you know, we kind of help, help get ourselves out of here and you move in, you do the thing and we're going to put some photos in the show notes cause it's just gorgeous. And then it was probably one to two weeks later that all studios and exercise gyms had to shut down. Yes. And you were on the hook for rent. <laughs> <laughs> I was. And rent's not cheap. On Pearl Street, yes. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you have a vision not only to open, but to kind of launch. And then, like, the second launch is, like, you know, your personal brand or the brand that goes with it and the apparel and the accessories. And, you know, like, you've got this kind of, like, rollout plan. But 
you had to kind of stop, mm-hmm. assess, and deal with it, right? Yeah. So thank you for staying in business. Thank you for pushing fighting through. Fighting for it, yes. <laughs> That's what it is. It's fighting for it. You mentioned hustling. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to have some of that. And if you didn't truly believe in what you were doing, you shouldn't be an entrepreneur. You believe in it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, I know what I want to do. I think, yeah, my vision in my head is really clear. And sure, we all have doubts in ourselves or what we do sometimes, but I know what I do is what I'm meant to be doing. I know what I'm doing is helping others. Um, Yeah, I have no doubt of where I am right now or what I'm supposed to do. Well, it's funny. Um, so I started coming because mm-hmm. number one, I was like, I got to check out this Pilates thing. And now I kind of have an in. So I'm going to mm-hmm. go and I'm going to support care to because I want you to succeed as well. And I had never done Pilates. You know, I was the kind of athlete who thought if your heart rate wasn't completely fired up and pumping, that it wasn't a real workout. And then eventually years ago, I discovered yoga. And then I realized like, wow, there's other ways to move your body that mm-hmm. are still really good workout. But um, I've started to have some body issues too, you know, and I've got yeah. spondylolisthesis and my lower back is really kind of, you know, it's doing what it's going to do in my life. And so I need strength in all these different areas. Like I need the minutia detail work that comes with strengthening the transverse abdominis, <laughs> right? That's what you told me. And yeah. you know, everything in my entire core. And honestly, I came to this first foundations class with my mom, mm-hmm. you know, the basic class. And I was like, this is, this is gonna help me. I knew it from day one, it was gonna help me. I knew I would want to do harder classes, but I could just tell this was exactly what I needed. And I truly believe that. I've been coming for probably six weeks on and off. And um, this is going to be part of my life going forward. I love that. I love it too. And I heard one of the women the other day, you always open and you say, do you have any suggestions for me? What today? Do you, you know, anyone need any special work? And this woman goes, just the care to magic, please. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought we got to coin that phrase, the care to magic. So, you know, what do you love most about teaching people Pilates, about guiding them through this practice? I think just seeing people like gain or regain strength um, and body awareness. And a lot of times people come in everybody usually has some sort of pain in their body and like them seeing the pain either go just down or away is so inspirational to me. If I can help you feel better, I have done my job. Wow. I love that. That's what makes you a healer today. Whether you think of yourself like that or not, like I think that's what you are. Thank you. So we, um, we need to get people in here. It's care to Pilates. It's spelled, it's a different spelling than your name, kind of Americanized, mm-hmm. you know, two words, care to Pilates and your name is care to <laughs> spelled very differently, but we'll have links in the show notes, but people can come in and they can start with foundations classes like I did. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll put a note out when I'm, uh, when I'm getting ready for my next class, let's get some people in here who haven't tried it yet, right? Yes. Just go for it. Why not? Why it doesn't not? hurt to try things once. You never know where they lead you. 
Why not today? Why not today? <laughs> yes. Well, then let's let's do the final question that I ask every guest that comes on the show. If you can leave our listeners with one final piece of advice, one little nugget to help them run their worlds in a bigger and better way, what would yours be? I like what we kind of came up with that why not today? Why not do something today that you have always wanted to do? Whether it's, you know, however small or big it is. Um, life is short. Life is fragile. So go and, go and do it. Go and do it. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you, Kirti. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. All right, I'm back. Wow, why not today? Why not today? Stop procrastinating. Get off your butt and do it. Except for me, I'm supposed to be procrastinating right now while I figure out what's the next thing in life. Maybe, you know, the real point is when you feel that urgency, when you know that it is time to make change in your life, stop waiting, just do it. I love it. I love this woman, Care Too. She is making changes in people's lives that they never expected. Um, I appreciate too when my guests come on and they are open and vulnerable in a way that they haven't been before. And Care Too was that today. After the interview, she was like, Oh, I don't know. Did I say too much? Did I say too much personal? You know, did I give too much personal information? I'm not sure if I'm comfortable. And I just said, Care to, you gave what y- people need to hear. And so I hope that you check her out, friend her on all the social media, follow Care to Pilates, and uh, send her a note. Let her know what you think and thank her for being open. It's hard to do. (laughs) It really is. I'm always honored to be somebody's first podcast interview. And that I was today for Care2. So congratulations, Care2. You're off to the races, girl. All right, everybody. A couple more things. Make sure you head over to zoomarun.com and use the code RUNTHISWORLD for 10% off of their do, the, do both challenges. Do the uh, holiday challenge and the love run challenge and uh, get 10% off, get some awesome swag. But more than that, get supported and motivated through the holiday season. You know, we, we're all in this together. We like to say that, but we don't always do it. Just show, show that you want it and get out there and do it. As for me, I'm going to continue to enjoy my time just living standing on the beach looking around waiting to decide which wave I want to run back out and grab again all right everybody uh thank you for tuning in today you know what time it is no I didn't forget this part it's time to get out there and run this world have a great workout and I'll see you next week or in a few weeks (laughs) 